0: i Spaces
1: Looks like we're good. All right, let's go ahead and quickly dive into this. Uh, good morning, good, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Um, we've got a really special guest. We really wanted to welcome a Tinfoil to the show. I mean, we're taking um, a step outside of crypto communities. Uh, I think for the first time, this is our first time outside of crypto, isn't it? Because that's normally what we usually.
2: I mean, officially, yeah. I mean, we've okay. had conversations with people that were not about crypto. But they were all people that were associated with crypto, so okay. I guess you could say it's our. But I mean, is he if he's if he's into crypto, then no. <laughs> I,
3: don't I mean, know. He, I, I, don't I, think I, I borderline
4: be. crypto. I, I you you will find me in in many different crypto spaces talking about uh, a lot of the tech issues related to al- algorithms and and networking and markets. Yes, definitely. Okay. Yeah. <laughs>
3: Well, we're we're
1: not here to give anybody any kind of um, financial advice, so that's 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 everyone's disclaimer right there. But for anybody who doesn't know who you are, who doesn't follow you, I mean, we met in a mazelow space, um, I recall, and you know, a lot of our a lot of our conversations really circled around constitutions, um, Bill of Rights, uh, civil liberties, um, pretty much the the latter. Uh, For anybody who's now just uh, getting to know you, who you are, if you can give us a quick rundown uh, or intro yourself, what your background is
3: and what you're doing now. Well,
4: right now, uh, just um, working on being a tech innovator, uh, trying to figure out how to solve some issues in AI, working on uh, personal assistance and uh, helping to develop a community out here on X to to do that. So if anybody is interested, they can check out my profile and and they'll be able to find the community um, that uh, does tech innovation and basically has a type of think tank um, that uh, gets together and and sometimes runs very, very long spaces. Uh, They're typically unrecorded uh, because they're, they're live events. And uh so I do that, and then um I'm also associated with uh Creato, and that is a platform for artists and music and entertainment and social engagement in that environment uh There's not really a a social uh socially engaging uh music platform in existence today um Where artists can connect with their audiences, and uh, that's what CREATO is for. So at least that you know that's the first phase, and there's there's multiple phases after that. But it's uh, that's one of the other projects that I I work on. Other than that, um, broad background and all manner of interesting kinds of fun and trouble. Um, Started out with the uh, buckaroo bonsai. (laughs) <laughs> roadmap for education I, I tried to uh, become a musician to finance my interest in in computer science and, and technology and I found out very quickly that musicians really don't make that much money as I was working in venues in Lawrence and uh, at that time I worked late nights on uh, in the computer night the computer science labs on uh, on social media applications and that was back in 1997 so we tried to build one of the first um, social media sites um, at that point in time. But unfortunately, as a student project, it, it didn't totally come together, even though we had um, all the server space but we wanted. the KU had given us the, the server racks to, get, to do what we want. And moving on from there, uh, bounce around the country a bit, land in Houston for a while, and then um, Become an aerospace scholar, um, get involved with helping my dad get his certification for astronaut instruction, hang out with the ISS Motion Control Group. And then after the Columbia investigation, they shut down the shuttle program, which is a huge deal. And uh, at that point, following it, following through with my degree in uh, communications towards being a payload specialist in the communications field was probably unlikely because there was 10 years of just downtime where the United States was not launching anything. And if you wanted to get to orbit, you had to go to Russia. So, what, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, well, uh, the, the shuttle program, was that during the Obama administration? Because I vaguely remember, like indeed, he was cutting budget to NASA. Yes, he did. Well, you know, it, it was kind of a mix between Bush and Obama. Bush. Bush, uh, you know, effectively signed the order that, you know, ended the shuttle program after the Columbia investigation. And then, you know, Obama wrapped it up
3: by defunding effectively, um, you know, regular spaceflight by NASA, which opened right. up the opportunity. You
4: know, Congress took action and and funded uh, SpaceX and uh, Blue Origin and SpaceX won. And so there was a competition. Uh, between the contractors and those were very few jobs like a tiny number of jobs compared to what uh, usa which was in houston um was holding i mean there were thousands of subcontractors all under that umbrella of usa and Mm -hmm. usa was literally scuttled the whole thing was shut down offices and everything it was kind of sad
3: well that sounds really depressing um
1: You know, you said you were a scholar of aerospace and then somewhere down the line you ended up being a scholar of civics. I mean, what when did you start um, taking
3: interest into American history and then all the way up to where we are today? Well, you know
4: since since my father was in, in the engineering sciences, we, you know, and on contracts, so we ended up traveling across the country. And so as a result, um, I I grew up going to all the battlefields and historical sites and the Oregon Trail and the Revolutionary War fields and the Civil War battlefields and learning, you know, the foundations of, the, of this country, you know, uh, going to Appomattox Courthouse, you know, Gettysburg and all of these locations and understanding, you know, what, what the core of this foundation, the foundations of this nation are and what it took to get here um how how much it costs to establish freedom and liberty and uh what that security means. Um you know I those, that I grew up with that at a, at a young age that was instilled into my mind. And then uh when I was getting involved in drone technology around twenty thirteen or so, um there became I began to see all these issues with regulatory structures that, that went counter to um, the Constitution. And I was, I was shocked because I, I couldn't believe that um, China, a foreign nation, could have so much power to just, you know, lobby and override the U.S. Constitution and remove the rights of citizens to be able to make documentaries with aerial cameras. That's all they are. They're just a flying camera. The China literally lobbied to have them turned into aircraft. So they turned a flying camera, which is, you know, not an unmanned aircraft or not even really an unmanned aircraft, into a full-blown aircraft in the NAS. And then they converted all of everyone's backyard into the NAS. They annexed the airspace in your backyard without telling you and paying you. And that happened, and nobody was aware and um we were working um at s u a s news to you know create some organizations to lobby against what was going on, but getting the news out there was very difficult because uh the response was uh to you know the company owners of you know SAS news you're you're just bomb throwers you're getting in the way of our you know success because clearly. There's certain organizations that were promised a lot of money um, for selling out their power and influence and and companies to China, rather than helping to establish a robust um, infrastructure for aerial robotics and, you know, for documentary film and all the innovations that would have stemmed from that. Instead, it was all bottled up and wavered relatively out of existence, causing the collapse of the drone industry, which again was not really advertised, people don't know what happened, and now we're on the precipice of AI, and so I'm very concerned. Having seen the hallmarks of what happened in the drone industry, I really don't want to see that happen. So
3: you have to become an expert in, you know, these areas of the Constitution, um, history, administrative law, constitutional law. Criminal law,
4: and you just read and read and read and read through all the case uh, precedents. And even when you have done that, keeping it all in your mind is very difficult. So I'm very impressed with people like that I've encountered. You know, like Jason Fick and others who have gone gone to the lengths of actually filing um, to secure, you know, these freedoms and, and restore, you know, liberty where it's being taken away. And, you know, that was under Section 230, where um, censorship and unfair businesses,
3: competition practices interfere with the ability for a person to, you know, engage in commerce at all. So, yeah, go ahead.
2: Oh, I was just, uh, so Genghis uh, Khan, I see you down there. You probably follow Tinfoil. Um, This is a podcast format, so we're not going to take speakers, but I did send you a DM because I'm interested to know more about you since you're a, a Marine and an Air Force vet. I find that interesting. So we might have some uh, availability in the future when we do a veteran type podcast, which I do want to do. So, but not to detract from what's talking. PSX, can you take over?
3: Yeah, sure. Um, it, one, oh man,
1: I lost my train of thought. Um, I, I know that um, I was watching uh, the TimCast uh, episode, and you know, when when we have all these bills being pushed through, and then you know, it's it's easy to get lost with. With the um the mainstream narrative of what what direction um our representatives are taking uh us into something i learned um what was it uh yesterday or the day before and i wanted to get your input on this one but there's this clause within a multitude of bills uh that are being written and then passed and it's not passed through votes it's passed through a self-execution clause. Is there, have you heard anything like that before? Because this is the first time I'm hearing about it. And this is what from a rep, a Representative Tom uh, was it Tom Macy? Ness? I think it was Tom Massey.
3: Maybe you're talking Massey.
4: About? Was it? But
3: I yeah, it's yeah. Massey.
4: Massey's Massey. pronunciation. Yeah. So this is a self-exec. Is this in a bill, or is this actually?
1: It, no, a, yeah, I would. I would argue. I would almost claim that it's in all the bills. So the 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 argument is. Or the the viewpoint is, is that they would have these uh, these clauses within these bills, and it's written, and it's it's so that these representatives don't have to vote, but it'll self execute and and go and pass through the uh, and go through the process regardless with whether that there's a debate or a vote that takes place. So that way, if it doesn't work, these representatives don't have to uh, they, they don't have to face any type of. Um, uh, I don't, I don't know if accountability is the right word, but more like scrutiny is what I'm looking for because it's, it's like, oh yeah, like I saw it, but I didn't vote on it, but it's self-executed. So because I didn't vote on it, I don't, you know,
4: I didn't vote. So it, it's not on me. Is that a, when they do the an eyes and nays vote on it? Yeah. It self-executes? versus Yeah, self-executes. That's, yeah. that's typically what happens. Um, so I,
1: it's almost like as if these bills, like even the ones that aren't very high-profile, they'll have the self-execution clause, but it'll go through go through the House and the Senate. Apparently, uh, at least that's how I understood it. Uh, I'll send you that clip or that link here. I'll I'll dig it up and nest it so everybody can check it out. I'll, if anything, I'll I'll have to timestamp
3: it for everybody so they can see it. Um, Jerry.
2: Uh. Correct me if I'm wrong, but is this have something to do with the reason why it's getting so much airtime now is because it has to specifically do with the funding bill for Ukraine, and that's why they're looking at it, and they haven't really talked about it much in the past?
1: I would go on a whim and say yes, but I yeah. mean, that's a that's a motive. I don't know. Ness, What, do you, what, what can you follow pretty closely on this subject? Okay. Okay.
5: My understanding, uh, because I did watch that segment with Thomas Massey on TimCast, and my understanding Mm -hmm. is, yes, that's why it's a topic right now, because the self-execution clause was part of the most recent Ukraine spending bill.
3: That's probably why it's getting so much attention now, because $95 billion was sent over there. And plus,
1: we're already involved in, what, four or five proxy wars?
2: Oh, yeah, the anti-federalists are starting to make more sense every day.
4: yeah so i wanted to get your input on this one tinfoil i feel like i need a tinfoil hat well george washington needed a tinfoil tricorn because you know what you, you gotta have the nice lining on the inside of that that hat and plus you gotta have some liberty in there with that that foil because otherwise you're just nuts um yeah you need to get shield yourself from the crazy tech and crazy weirdness and i tell you it, there's it seems like there's technology involved with the way that this stuff is orchestrated and, and planned out, given, yes, they are, you know, it's it's an old process, the yea's and nays, to be able to self-execute a bill, but the pace at which they organize and generate these bills and then have them available for funding and hundreds of pages, there's no time really for the reps to go through and clearly identify the things in the bills. They literally would have to use technology to summarize what, what it is that's happening. Which by the way, there's there's groups that um have done that. I believe Air America Mission has um created a, a tool that can summarize bills so that they don't you know, our reps don't end up uh caught on, caught on their heels. But the uh it's it's a serious problem, you know. Um this is uh this is our national treasure being sent to a foreign nation, and they're not willing to make a recorded vote to identify who it was that decided that our national treasury should be depleted for the interest of a foreign nation that is not specifically a partner or an ally and has no intent of ever
3: paying the money back. That's a serious problem yeah, and Ukraine is unofficially an ally of the United States it's just yeah, I don't know what they, are.
4: they they're a quasi U.N. partner, I think that's about, about the best right. you can say. And, and one of the things one of the things that keeps getting missed in the in the national conversation
1: is their status um, and the relationship between you um, between Ukraine and, and Russia. Um, and it was I think it was what they called the Minsk uh, Treaty, between, uh, which was established before Putin came into power. Where, <clears throat> just to summarize it up. Uh, it was a way to make sure that um u n didn't spread toward the east and uh ukraine would, would remain a neutral um, um country and so long as that status is upheld, Russia would continue to uh, um to uh recognize them as a sovereign country and wouldn't uh, invade i guess if you will and the other thing was I didn't even know this, but even even in the early days during the Clinton administration, you know, Putin wanted to uh, join the U.N. And then something happened and Clinton came back and told him that it's not going to work out. Um, a, A lot of people don't know that. If Ukraine did join the U.N., it would give them full jurisdiction to stick missile silos right at their front doors. And I don't think that I don't think Russia is going to appreciate that much. I mean, it's just like it reminds me of the uh, Cuban Missile Crisis during the Kennedys when Russia wanted to stick Russ missiles um, right right at our front doorstep. So I, I
4: don't understand why this keeps getting missed. Ukraine is in the U.N., but they are not in NATO. If they join NATO, that would definitely be a problem. And the other, the crazy thing is we we learned in this, you know, this video interview, on, you know, by Tucker, if it is to be trusted,
3: you know, would, would Putin have actually joined NATO? You know, here's the question. Uh, Russia fo- post-perestroika, which is, you know, the fall of the Soviet empire, basically, Um,
4: basically Westernized, right, and then started taking on uh, US payment systems and all these other different features and, and components
3: of Western nations, which is not aligned with communist China. And the
4: it's very it's a very strange thing that there's this old guard that's like we're worried about russia invading europe, but we're not worried about china conquering the world because given you know china's total ambitions and and stated interests, they would be more interested to do that you know and and, and for that purpose you know russia has while even though we had you know a proxy war with them in in a, in a cold war that lasted a long period of time they have been allies of the united states which makes what happened in ukraine
3: all the more confusing in the time frame that it occurred at least in, in my opinion but go ahead jerry go ahead and first
2: i, w- I was just going to mention that there might be some people that don't realize this but i know it because i've been deployed uh to Afghanistan and Iraq, there are even in Ukraine, as we speak right now, there are American-based companies that benefit from this bill, and a lot of people don't realize that. So, I mean, it's the war machine essentially, and and maybe Tinfoil, you know a little bit more about what goes on with those those things, but I saw it with my own eyes.
4: I don't know that I know anything more about it. Um... Uh, just having monitoring Congress and watching the congressional hearings, maybe talking to some reps briefly in some audio spaces, but to have the full perspective of of how these things roll out is is, is really difficult. Um you know I, I watch I watched what went down over there and I've seen quite a few US forces rotate through as advisors in Ukraine. Um You know, and that's just available from what you can see on YouTube. And that was before YouTube was restricting um, being able to see these things occur. Um, You know, at some point, the news out of Ukraine has has just shrunk. And we've never really, in the 21st century, had such a void of accurate news reporting in a war zone that the United States is involved in. Um, and you know having lived through um, all the different Iraq wars on the you know the state side watching the news media and searching the internet for context um, this is the uh,
3: this is the war without context you know you you get ten seconds ten second clips <laughs> that's that's what you get.
2: Well, I mean, the interview kind of gave us a little context.
4: <laughs> a yeah, but that's like, you know, you know what I'm talking about. You know, what, what, is, what is the situation on the battlefield? Is this, is, you know, what is the purpose of the conflict and what are the men and materials being used for? Have they bogged down? Are they built? Are they starting in the trench warfare? Now, you know, it looks like, and for all, all intensive purposes, that they've started into an artillery conflict. Which is resembling World War One, which is like one of the most wasteful and retarded types of conflict that you can initiate, because there's no movement um, to resolve in a in a timely order. You know, you understand, like in even Afghanistan and Iraq, even though we got mired into, you know, the sectarian insurgent violence, we still dealt with major forces in a rapid and expeditious way not you know tangling in a back and forth for
3: what could be decades you know we don't need another 13 14 year war i think we already went through that with the bush era um you know with us being involved
1: in so many conflicts around the world um I don't I I don't know how how so many Americans across the country
3: seem to um, not take any kind of notice, you know, especially with the um, with the
1: the ease of access to this kind of information. I don't know if it's just a lack of proactive behavior or. It's a lack of sense of, Hey, there's, I don't really have a stake in it. It's not my concerns. So there's probably a real sense of apathy up until when they get, um, get a full sense of it. Cause it's right, right. At knocking on their doorstep is when they'll start taking action. Um, I had a conversation with a friend of mine and, you know, he lives up in Canada and he was telling me that they were, you know, there's a lot of resentment um, to the government up North. And I told him, the only way it's going to get better is that it has to get bad enough. Like you really have everybody really has to feel it. So if you think it's bad now, it's and there's no action taking place. My opinion on it is that it's just not bad enough. Before you see anything uh, t- taking any kind of movement, the the one thing that 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 has really caught my attention, of course, being being a, re- um, a constituent here in the state of Texas was. Um, the whole border control situation down south. And with Ukraine, I start to feel more resentment toward them because it's, it feels like the federal government tends to prioritize them over the states. I mean, each state has its own unique problems with its own unique sets of priorities. And it seems like it keeps getting overlooked. Um, I, I don't understand why we're back to where we were before uh, the previous administration. And I don't understand. I mean, what am I missing here? I mean, is the mainstream media that influential? I mean, you and I have, have, have had experience, but I don't think I fully have appreciated its, um, I guess, power
4: or influence on the general public. You can enlighten me here. Well, I mean, from from my observations after I left, you know, CBS and and got out you know into freelance around 2014 when i started this account there was a major influence operation that effectively took over all national communications in my my personal opinion like and that when i saw that hallmark i was like yeah this isn't really a a safe environment to just run around in in your real name um as a journalist Trying to counter all of the forces that are working in together to make these <laughs> make these artificial situations occur. Like these are not natural disasters. These are not real refugees as a result of a naturally occurring um, civil conflict. Like all of these things were initiated because somebody had a particular objective. Europe had desires and interests
3: in Ukraine to go after energy resources, and Obama facilitated it. We
4: ended up in this, that situation um, creating effectively a civil war in Ukraine. You know, um, The situation on the border has to do with the UN mig- migration protocols. We saw and very clearly watched, These migration protocols being executed in France and Italy and in England and Ireland, but the U.S. Congress did nothing. They didn't pass a single law to shore up borders. They didn't take it seriously, and they certainly didn't sanction the UN for being engaged in protocols that encouraged the NGOs to create financial networks and generate maps and guides and entire cartel human trafficking systems to ferry thousands upon thousands of people to the Southern border. Um, and that's not a, i mean, that's actually an understatement because it's really tens of thousands of people. If you actually look at the numbers that are coming and have come.
3: Um, so this, you know,
4: all of these things are not naturally occurring issues even our economy is not a naturally occurring event. These are things where the Biden administration and through his appointees, you know, effectively his cabinet, um, went through strategically and took down the parts of our economy which maintained low cost for delivery and production of goods and agricultural goods. And uh, that causes inflation. It's inescapable. You cannot remove those components without um, placing new
3: components to uh, fill the gap. And um, so that's you know that being that
4: is the fundamental frustration here is that it's not like a hurricane. It's not like tornadoes. It's not like something that was you know uncontrollable that was you know inescapable that happened. This has been put upon America with intent, you know, in part, I believe, and, you know, this is my opinion, to stand up bricks. And uh, you can draw your own conclusions from there. Go ahead. Unintended.
3: I was going to say that,
2: um, I, you know, I'm not aware, and maybe I should look it up just right now, but uh, I'm not sure what Poland's status is as far as the UN goes. But they're not playing ball. They're one European country that is not following the the same examples of like ireland and all these other ones that are having these issues
4: yeah i believe uh poland and hungary are both you know in opposition of the eu and and uh the eu's you know governance is is going after uh those those nations and trying to punish them in various ways with different types of sanctions because they're they're not uh, falling in line with the non-enforcement of the borders, because that's what the UN Migration Protocol is—is is basically a, an agreement not to enforce your national borders.
3: Um, yeah. Now, uh, I do know because I have I have a friend in Poland that they did take
2: a ton of, you know, refugees from Ukraine, basically women and children, that came over there before. The conflict really kicked off I, I do know that 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 was a large number of people but there's a lot of relatives in poland for the ones that they took in so i mean there's families that took other people in that were already in their family so i mean i think that's why it was allowed in, in, in that circumstance but i know that they had a lot of people come over from ukraine now that's different i think than what the
4: u.n is well i mean already. we initiated the civil war and if you didn't get out of the country when the civil war started
3: then you potentially would die so there's really you know not a lot of option you know that that's the problem you know so real, real, real quick i just want to throw in there i want to make a comment that
1: there were reports coming out that nato or the u.n were uh, funding the um uh the illegal migrations that we've been experienced for the past three or four years I just nested it up at the uh, up top. So for anybody to take a look at it, um, and it's all on the taxpayers' back. So I'm I'm not sure what their motive, let's, assuming this is true, you know, I don't know the accuracy of it. I mean, I, I, I read this the article last night,
3: but assuming that this is true, I mean, wouldn't that make, I mean, they were willing to violate our own immigration uh laws deliberately i mean what does that make the u.n or the or nato like what
1: type of relationship are we looking at here
4: well the the board we have to examine what the u.n is it's a multi-party body composed of multiple committees and not all the committees are working on the same things or in the same direction some of them Mm -hmm. are actually doing trying to issue good policies and and trying to help something right but then there are other policy groups with which multi multiple nations have determined would be objectively useful to manipulate into executing policy that would input infl- you know increase their global power, specifically China, and specifically nations associated with BRICS. So by doing this to uh, to all the Western nations, they interfere with those nations' ability to effectively function because all of our nations have these social welfare states, which require a very large amount of the GDP. But if you can overwhelm that welfare nation, then you can create a condition where there's civil unrest because you have a huge population of people who are, you know, underemployed, uneducated, and no longer getting subsidies from the government. And that causes civil strife because everybody blames everybody. And while that is all happening in that massive chaotic mess, a new global currency is established. And that is CBDC. Well, CBDC based on, you know, BRICS
3: yuan. So China takes over global currency. And China sits on the uh, National Security Council on the UN. Yep. How does that work? Do European co- countries just roll over? I know our country
1: is just rolling over, to, uh, bending forward and, and taking in the ass. But well, these other countries are,
4: are counterparts in, in the EU. I mean, they just roll over and just some of them open up taken, their mouth. Some of them have taken Belt and Road money because it's like, hey, look, we'll give you all this money and we're not asking for much in return. Right. We'll be your economic yeah. partner. Build a fact build one of your factories in our country, and at the same time you know build one of your country' countries in our factory we're going to support open migration protocols that overwhelm your nation's ability to be able to be functional and have a society
1: I know there's a, uh, African countries that are experiencing something similar to right now where um, a lot a lot of them have accepted um uh, Chinese debt and can't seem to pay it back, uh, which there's a, I think there's a caveat where they have to hand over, like like a bank between a borrower and a bank, you have to hand over like a physical asset up for collaterals, in this case, it would be actual land. So China owns a portion of these countries. I don't know which country specifically, I'll have to get that list and I'll have to post it up here later, but it's something I've been kind of following, but not not too close. It seems like there's been enough conflict around the world that it's been hard to keep up
3: with everything.
4: Yeah, well, I mean, and and part of that is the conflict is genuinely stoked and increased and financed so that it destabilizes, you know, multiple regions and multiple economies because that the, the increased chaos is a distraction from being able to monitor the economic activity. You know, they're you know, BRICS is decoupling from the West. The sanctions were not sanctions against them. They were sanctions against us. In my opinion, that, you know, they didn't have the effect of depriving, you know, Russia from its material resources and economy. It deprived the United States from its ability to, and and Europe from the ability to have, Normal economic exchange, which was developed under this, you know, globalism, right? They created the dependency, and then we're getting punished as a result of this. That's why the funds should have never been allocated to continue this conflict, because it's incredibly contrived. Um, and you know, I, you know, I have my concerns about the relationships you know, that, I, that I've that i seen with China that, that you know, have come across in the news, they're, they're constantly debunked. And then we see that these things that are close to quote unquote debunked were actually real. But we see it six months after an election or, you know, and there's no prosecution for having lied and falsified records and falsified prosecution to get away with saying, well, you know, the criminal activity that occurred While it was criminal, we're just not going to do anything about it now. I mean, that's that's the state of affairs, and so um, I hope that makes sense of what you're seeing going on. Because you know the 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 war between Russia and Ukraine is 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 not a war so much as it is an opportunity to shut down all Russia and China and BRICS. Entanglements with the US dollar, and who have we heard that you know would benefit out of that? And what groups and families and associations have positioned themselves to become wealthy if China becomes a multipolar world power to the same degree that the US was with the US
3: dollar? I want to go into COVID 19 um as far as regarding debunking it seemed like the narrative started off as a wet wet market in wuhan ironically there was a lab across the street from that same market that um the alleged leak took place uh took place at that time and
1: i think a lot of us i don't know if some of us are still i don't know how many of us
3: are still in that echo chamber of i don't i don't even know which narrative to, to to follow
1: or to understand or to to even take seriously at this point but the mandate that was implemented to lock everybody down forced vaccination i don't know how that got
3: understood as law especially when it comes directly from the president himself And what what was it that the, the population missed? and how did it get to the point where you know a lot of that was being got to the point where we um, we each and every single one of us, I don't know all of us, but enough of us, were willing to
1: just go along to play along. How was this missed, and why is it that several states and I know I've got a lot of questions. I mean some states
3: did push back. It didn't feel like enough push back. Where did we get to the point where all of a sudden like our own rights just went went into suspension? I know there have been several um uh what's the word I'm looking for? Um precedents that have taken place where where
1: certain rights were suspended, but is that an excuse to do, that, do it again?
4: Well, there, was, there were no grounds or rights to, rem, you know, basis to remove those rights to begin with. And the medical emergency powers are limited in scope and capacity um, under the Constitution. Some of the basic framework of that is identifying people who are actually sick. And actually creating an area that is a quarantine. Not all areas at all times can be quarantined. Quarantine means that you've identified factually a virological pathogen that is genuinely infectious. You know, all of those factors have to be true for you to be able to quarantine a person and, you know, lower or diminish their ability to transit anything, right? And that's a, social contract right and you know and so it's not it's not an uh constitutionally immutable agreement if the people decide that they no longer want to abide by that they kind of have the right to do it and the problem was that the organizations and media groups were deceiving the public about the nature of their freedoms and the nature of their rights, and then engaging in illegal prosecution and saying, well, we'll prosecute you now and punish you, and then you can sue us later. You know, because we have unlimited money, we have all your tax money, and you can uh, try to fight your way out of this because you're just one and two people who decided to open your church or engage in business when we told you that everywhere is quarantine which was not lawful Um, again, you have to have a specific measure of specific people that are sick. You can't say that. Well, we think we feel like there might be sickness here. You have to be be able to identify exactly where somebody is sick to create a quarantine zone. And they never did that. They just they were randomly testing with PCR tests. and. Um, people who were not even symptomatic, and and that's the other myth is that there was no such thing as a asymptomatic case. Um, that was another deception that was created to further the narrative that everybody needed to lock down, so that they could exercise these you know pandemic powers and try to push the um, digital currency and vax mandate, which failed, and they're not happy about that
5: for certain. Go ahead. So in regards to the deception, um, I'd like to ask you your opinion on the role that the media played in deceiving the public. Uh, One instance comes to mind that I saw on the news, there was a guy who they claimed got arrested for refusing to wear a mask on the plane. Well, that wasn't an arrestable offense as it was only an ordinance, correct? Um, He would have been arrested for trespassing for refusing to leave the plane. And I think there was a disconnect there where people thought that it was law that they had to obey a lot of these um, you know ordinances and mandates and whatnot, and they weren't actually laws and I'd just like to hear your opinion on you know the role that the media played in deceiving the public
4: yeah the the media was pumping up that things that uh, were occurring, which were private companies instituting policies under FAA mandate that were you know instead of just being a policy that infringes their right rights, which company has the right to uh, refuse your travel if they have a specific policy. you know, they want you to wear you know black hats on Monday. they can kick you off the plane if you don't. They have to refund your money in full. I mean they, a, a matter of fact, they have to pay you the damages for having missed the flight. Um, and not told you that they were going to be engaging in in that kind of conduct. Um, But, you know, the news media was out there telling you that this is the law, and they have the power to force you to put a medical device on your face. Well, they don't have the right to put a medical device on your face because it isn't certified for the purpose of what they were using it for. Um, They were saying that it was a a device that could mitigate and stop the transmission of either exhalants or inhalants. That's literally not even on the side of the of the mask. It's you know even up to up to KN95s. They're a low number of hour temporary dust mask. They were never designed for mitigation of 300 nanometer particles of virus, um, let alone a hydrophobic virus which could pretty much go through any porous material um, that was not below 300 nanometer threshold. So what you're talking about is, you know, a CBRN or BSL-4 level classification of filtration, which is a moon suit to protect yourself from this pathogen, which was not nearly as infectious as what it was advertised. But for those who did catch it, since it was an engineered effective bioweapon, it was effectively assembled through multiple labs around the world in a gain-of-function project, which Dr. Andrew Huff talks about in his deposition, which is up in the nest. Um, People got really sick and they have really unusual
3: never seen before effects as a result um, and that is you know a portend of the future or portent sorry sorry jerry hang on a second
1: like they said that the mrna uh, vaccine wasn't necessarily considered a vaccine that it was more of a um uh, what's the word a gene therapy now that's a
4: very broad uh, that's a word with a very broad definition it's a it's a biologic that has a function of a gene therapy. However, it is not explicitly a gene therapy because it is not an adult stem cell that is engineered in in the same way. But it is a gene therapy in that it contains the elements that assemble into um, organelles, which can be incorporated into the genome if a line one reverse transcriptase event occurs. Um, that's cell mitosis. And then there's there's a, like a couple other ways that it can actually be incorporated into the DNA of a given cell. Now, this doesn't mean the the entire body becomes genetically modified. This means that that cell is now non-functioning and effectively creating inflammation as well as un, unlimitedly speaking at, spitting out spike proteins. And those spike proteins are antagonists that cause inflammation throughout the body and
1: they don't know what the uh
4: long-term effects are because what was it because i
1: asked a friend who um i don't know what his field of study is specifically in, in medicine but to my knowledge and based on what he was informing me is that vaccines typically take about three to four years before they release onto the market this one was less than a year under the, the trump administration were under uh operation warp speed um i, I don't i i just don't get
4: yeah,
1: it's, how this it's was not messed. a vaccine
4: it should never been called a vaccine it, it's a biologic it's in the classifications of biologics i should know biologics very very well because i i took three or four different ones for a digestive condition and i had the team for a long time you know these weren't mRNA biologics, but what they do is they're uh, immune modulators that affect the way that the immune system functions. The COVID shots were a biologic that were designed to enter the cell and immune modulate by generating spike protein, which would diminish the immune system's response and stop what they would call a um cytokine storm and that cytokine storm is what would lead to pulmonary uh failure you know uh blood you know clotting and uh, respiratory failure but there's other factors that are involved in there which are really complex and overlapping that had to do with the protocols that were issued at the hospitals that were actually damaging and um that i see a hand up there so we can Go to that if you like. <laughs> Jerry, you've had to <laughs> hand that for a while.
2: Yeah, I was just, I don't know, I had, my comment was from a long time ago. I was just going to say that John Hancock would be rolling in his grave after all the federal overreaches that have happened over the last 20 years. But I'm concerned now because, like I was concerned before, I had to take uh, the vaccination not only to travel to the Philippines, but I had to take it when I was working because they forced me to take it. Otherwise, I would have lost my job.
4: Yeah, it's it's, we've we've seen lawsuits setting precedents. You know, I don't know if the if the lawsuit that was recently won was in your district, but if you if these these case precedents are set, where the employers are being sued and losing or force vaccinating their staff or compelling their staff to be vaccinated under threat of loss of employment, and um, if you can prove that that occurred and and it's in your district, then you have you know, current, this is not legal advice, I'm just saying that it's worth examining to see if you have legal recourse. Um, typically, they say you have to have damages, but most people who've had um, more, you know, at least one COVID shot or more can prove some kind of of physical harm that has occurred to them since that shot.
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't think it did anything to me, to be honest. I've had three, and yeah, it's, it's strange.
4: Well, you, because... might, you might be in the very lucky group that uh, received placebo,
3: which means that you received literally nothing. They were doing that? This has been hypothesized uh, given the clusters of people that had adverse reactions. So the, the adverse reactions are not
4: happening in an even distribution everywhere. So, I mean, you can just kind of look at that, if you like.
2: All right. I will definitely look at that. Thank you.
4: Hey, hey just
1: so if it makes you feel, well, I mean, shit, I, I didn't even get vaccinated. I'm like, 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 there's no vaccine in me, no boosters. But even during lockdown, I mean, I got to admit, I did enjoy, the one thing I did um, enjoy about the, the lockdown was that um, <laughs> road trips were really cheap, considering that gas prices was cheaper than water. So that was kind of nice. And then even the hotels, even three star hotels were like barely twenty dollars a night. So I'm surprised like nobody took advantage of that except for me. But oh well, anyways, moving forward, the the as far as the uh, as far as the the vaccine goes, there's currently a, a case against Anthony fauci. I mean, at what point does real criminal accountability take place? you know, cause this has been an ongoing feud, you know, the world health organization, again, I don't know what they've been kind of spinning up. I mean, there's been rumors and reports that, uh, what was it? Tedros, who's the, uh, head had, uh, the head of the world health organization has been a, has been a dog for the Chinese um, government yet Anthony Fauci, who, who now it was, has been reportedly had a hand in, in the big pharma specifically uh what's it pfizer and then you know at some point like i don't know where to even start going forward i mean so many individual and civil liberties have been violated like what what's the recourse
3: whether you take it to court or not
4: the 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 recourse is as we've been taught you know by the founders of the nation to you know Use the laws and codes and rules of this nation to their due process. And that is, we go to our local, and then the local goes to the state, and then the state sues the federal government for the activity that caused the harm. But that's not happening. I mean, but that's the way it should be happening because individuals should not have to try to bear the liability or the cost of fighting this legal battle. This needs to be something that is fought by the states with the funding and and you know coffers of the states because it's an activity the NIH which you know NIH was given funds from congress which came from the states and it was distributed to organizations like eco health alliance it wasn't just eco health alliance it was a network of of companies and corporations around the world you know and the universities and research programs and they we're doing gain of function in various labs around the world, and sending that data to be assembled in Wuhan. And so, observably, the bro- the break- outbreak occurred in the Wuhan area. Now, the interview that occurred with um, the Epic Times uh, back in 2020 indicated they interviewed a person who worked in the lab, and that person stated that the
3: virus was walked out of the lab. And that was those those were the quote. That was the quote of the time frame. So
4: given that was the that's the case, you know NIH is responsible for the release of this pandemic on the world. And that means Anthony Fauci being the director of that organization is culpable. And Dr. Andrew Huff was given a deposition declares clearly that they were engaged in gain of function research with which Anthony Fauci denied to Rand Paul while in in Congress so there's a lot of ways that this could be diced you know they could they could charge him for perjury and obstruction of congress they could charge him for you know criminal conduct and but you know that hasn't happened yet that's because the states haven't taken the action because the people have not said this is intolerable behavior you are our states our local governments you will counter criminal activity by the federal government and real quick uh i
1: know you got your hand up jerry i did post up a uh a youtube video the nested up above where there was a a representative for the world health organization that dodged the journalists uh, from Taiwan so something would be worth taking a look at it, it does raise some eyebrows and a lot of suspicions um go ahead jerry so
2: i'm a i'm scholarly sometimes not all the time but sometimes i am and i was so opposed to get, getting the vaccination that i was forced to get otherwise i'd lose my job right that i started researching it And I saw Fauci talking, I'm like, who's this guy? So I looked up his academic papers, and then I started, uh, you know, searching his
3: name with COVID. And I found an academic uh, paper where they're talking about gain-of-function
2: research on COVID. I mean, that was a real thing. And I found more information that he signed funding specifically for Wuhan. Now. I went back year a year or more later, couldn't find it. But I found it when it initially happened. I was able to find it, and I and that's that's factual. So when I heard on the news that he was lying about it, I was like, that guy's full of shit. I can't trust him. And that's because I read the uh, one of the papers that he signed. Like he's part of the academic paper, and on their official sites with this, I think the CDC. And the gain of function uh, research and things like that, he signed off on funding it like if you're they used to have that information public and and I was able to find it very fast, but now, good luck trying to find some of that information. I mean when I tried it, maybe it's there again, but like when I tried the second time, a couple of years after the fact, I couldn't find it.
3: Yeah, it's to be
4: expected in some of these you know, rather questionable situations that the, the information, is, it vanishes. But the thing is, is that you know, private citizen, you don't want to be the person who's responsible. If you're going to hold something as evidence, it has to have a, you know, a trail. And that's where you know, getting a private investigator or you know, somebody who's certified in government can actually keep that evidence and, and maintain its integrity so that it is, it is considered valid. You know, because there's all kinds of arguments. today. we're as a matter of fact, we're crossing this threshold into deep fakes. I mean, they're gonna There's all kinds of ways to get away with with crime, uh, especially at the highest level these days, because of the the power to create deceptive means. You know, make websites disappear, generate fake content. All those things are are threats to being able to validate that. You know, yeah this occurred at this time in this date, and it needs to be prosecuted.
1: Did you see, um, did you see, did, anybody, did any of you guys see uh, Sora, like Nadia down there who gave me the heads up on it? Um, uh, the new uh, updates with chat GPT um, where you're able to, I mean, wow. Uh, just uh, if anybody, I'll have to find it and nest it real quick, but talk about next generation, and I'm wondering, like considering that it's election year, i'm we're gonna be seeing a lot more of deep fakes um, fake videos, I mean, especially at the caliber, I mean, it's sixty frames per second. It's mind blowing how far and how fast AIs come along. I wouldn't put it past it to where you everyone's gonna have access now, I'm not saying that, well, I mean, I could be.
4: Well, I mean, one thing it is, it is aligned and it, you know, some people have called it a a woke generator. Um, I I, I don't know. I don't know about calling it woke, but I can say that, you know, anywhere that an AI is trained and aligned takes on the culture that it's most local to. And so as a result, if it's highly partisan, you know, it's going to have partisan rules and, and controls. So, you know, it it while it may, it, it may generate things that are anti-Republican, uh, um, it won't generate anything anti-Democrat. That's the kind of stuff that we can expect out of out of Sora because of Silicon Valley.
2: Maybe maybe Biden should consider using AI generated speech so that he doesn't look like he has dementia. Just saying. <laughs>
4: yeah don't give them any bad ideas we don't we don't
3: give them ideas, <laughs> yeah, so.
4: we we already had that didn't we already have that acquisition with the whole you know boom mic in this frame and like oh my gosh, fake hands you know yeah that happened but uh you know um and then we had the broadcast from the underground and you know uh, all these you know different sets that Biden was on in various times uh yeah. It just I I don't ever want to see a president with circles in the ground again. It just that can't it just can't happen again. Um, Wait, circles in the ground. I missed it. You you didn't you missed Biden's live streams where he had people parked in cars in circles. Or uh, in circles? dude, I can
1: barely I can barely watch like thirty seconds of his yeah. live stream because it's. I mean, he starts off with the bumble and. It, and he flubs and flops, and then he
4: looks to the left, looks to the right, and then that crooked on, man. grin. That crooked grin just makes me cringe, and I was like, "Ugh." Well, what about trying to start fist fights with union members?
1: That's always interesting. I want, I want to see him. I want to see him in a fist in a cage fight with uh, with Greg
4: Abbott, and
1: he's in a wheelchair.
4: That'll be a fight. Well, if, apparently, if you get them in a the crowd together, and he asks, like, a, a nominally. Uh, you know, direct question, He, you know, he'll say, I'll take you behind. I'll let me take you out somewhere because that's what he does. I mean, I was shocked, you know, a president did that on video. Um, and and nobody missed it. I mean, like there's I, I can't believe that people miss that. Watch that video again. He's not asking to go have a conversation. As he said before, when he gets angry with somebody, he's going to take them out behind the woodshed or under the bleachers. So if he if Biden says, I'm going to take you out somewhere to do something, he ain't going to have a conversation with you.
1: Yeah, it's 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 uh, it's I don't know if it's
4: (laughs) I don't know if it's in
2: the Marine Corps, we call that a wall to wall conversation.
4: Yeah, but I mean, but I mean, that is not a feature you want to have in your, you know, man who holds the nuclear codes, not to mention an extremely short memory and completely lost total loss of anchor in reality at times. So yeah, there's there's multiple, multiple problems, you know, with with Biden and it's just it's insurmountable. I don't I don't see how they keep him running um even if you know they, they manage to manage to recycle what we've seen before. They were going to try to take him to court, but I think it was one of his attorneys said that he's not mentally
1: fit to go to court because of his memory. And then the question comes up as if he's not mentally fit to go to court because of that, is he even mentally fit to continue to run the
3: country? Uh, Probably not. I mean, just saying. You know.
4: It's just like deception upon deception upon deception. So, you know, if he says he's mentally fit to go to court, then take him to court. It doesn't really matter what the special counsel says at that point. You know, if his press secretary is going to stand out there and say he is perfectly fit and he is for, totally confident, indict him. You know, it's it's really that simple. That's what law and order is. It's not, you know, um, well, you know, our feels don't, you know, we just don't feel like this is the right time. And no, you know. We have to have, you know, order in the country and um, yeah, there's, there's, there's too many things with people that are extremely high levels of power that, uh, yeah, demonstrating a lack of integrity and a lack of regard for the, for the public of this nation. Go ahead, PSA.
1: I was going to make a comment, except that as time goes by, it feels like there's not much of law and order, rather it's more feels like it's more like there's two tiered justice systems. You know, one, you know, it all depends on who's in power, be it Democrat or Republicans, like nobody's on the same page.
4: Well, I mean, that's that's the fundamental basis of of what due process and equal justice is supposed to be. So I mean we have to we have to find the means and the tools to provide that accountability. And if people don't want to be responsible enough, We'll find artificial intelligence tools to accomplish that job. You know, we'll build the tools to replace them, and then they won't be in jar in charge of justice or any of those things. You know do Do we really need to have a a federal judge who's partisan and biased to run a jury? No we we could design a very good AI to sit there and preside um, over what defense counsels and prosecutions are supposed to do in the proper order of doing that. There wouldn't be any partisanship involved in that, in, in, you know, having a well-designed system um, that's biased towards law and order. In other words, it likes law and order more than it likes being deceptive, right? If you you built it in a community of people who actually love the law, you know, people who study the law because they want to see justice served and, and truth, prevail, then um, that system, you know, that, that machine would would be honorable and just. Because again, again, it's the jury that decides. Um, and then the convictions, the sentencing is usually automatic based on what has been passed by the legislature. So the judges really don't even necessarily get to decide what the punishment is going to be, but we have partisan judges that completely subvert the system and then say, well, sue me. But but, wouldn't that, I mean, wouldn't that, okay, so I'm going to bring it
1: down to civics. I mean, uh, an artificial intelligence, an AI-based judge, wouldn't that violate the fourth or the fifth? Because, I mean, trial by jury, I guess it doesn't
4: necessarily violate it because the juries are your peers. Yeah, this doesn't really say that there has to be a judge involved. It says a jury of your peers. It doesn't say that you're judged upon. Yeah, you get into the 13th Amendment and then kind of maybe sketchy there, but there's some problems with the 13th Amendment because it gives a loophole to have slavery at the time of a judge's order. No judge should be able to assign anybody into slavery. That's a ridiculous situation. And then it was explained to me once that, well, we have to have that condition so that we can have somebody in prison. I'm like, that has never existed in history. You don't have to have a condition like the judge's order is enough by itself. For a person to be in prison, they don't have to be turned into chattel. Yeah, anyway, that's. I think we need to amend the 13th Amendment and completely remove any option for slavery as as a potential punishment for crime. I'd like to remove, what was it? The the one amendment I'd like to remove is, I think it's the 16th or the 18th, the one with the income tax. That'd be nice. Yeah, we'd have to restructure. I mean, that might happen anyway, naturally. But uh, let's let's go to our hand.
3: Oh, I was gonna,
2: I watch a lot of true crime, uh, and I I watched two videos in the last couple of days. Uh, that same crime. However, one was a older female in her t- mid twenties, and the other one was somebody that just turned eighteen. It was a a, bo- a boy, a male, and the male got first degree murder because he killed with a knife. The female. Killed with a knife as well. And I was like, huh, why'd she get second? Like, to me, it blew, it, it just blew my mind. Like that the jury found him guilty of first, which, I mean, that didn't blow my mind. Cause that's what it is. First degree murder with a knife. Right. And then, uh, but she got second degree murder and it's, and she was even more sad Her crime was more sadistic than his. His was kind of like a crime of passion type of thing. Hers was just straight sadistic weird but that that type of justice has nothing to do with the judge though that's jury
3: yeah i mean human
4: juries that's in the constitution and i'm on board with that and um people have to learn to be moral and ethical and decent and uh you know because if you if you judge someone in a par- partisan and biased way at some point in the future if you're ever accused you may be judged in the same partisan biased way you know ju- juries you know can can be resolved to, to become honorable uh, judges unfortunately due to the immense amount of money that is expended to train and keep them can be influenced to take a partisan stance And I I don't know what to do about that other than um, not have judges. I know that's that's an extreme point of view, but maybe that maybe that'll cause the judicial system to reform itself under threat of uh, ceasing to exist. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, the anti-federalists
2: were opposed to a federal judicial system as as the like Hamilton and and. Madison, like we're writing the the original draft, they were opposed to that type of uh, overreach of judicial power because they wanted it to the state to be the higher rather than the federal to be the higher. And like, it kind of seems like. I mean, you're you like the Bill of Rights, obviously.
4: And, oh, I, I like I like both the Federalists and the Anti-Federalists. I, I like both arguments, and I think that there's assets and benefits to um, both ways of doing things. But, you know, the scope creep and the uh, subversion of accountability it cannot be taken lightly. And uh, when we have the entire force of enforcement being subverted in a partisan manner, well, you know, I would say almost the entire like i just very tiny number of people who are have not been completely undermined from their due diligence and and duties and tasks, which is to protect the citizens of the country, not to secure the government from prosecution like that is the opposite like oh, we've got to protect the government from the people and the crimes that the government commits. Like what? Like that? when did that become the role of the, the DOJ and DHS? They're supposed to be protecting and securing us. That's why they exist. That's why we fund them. They're funded
3: from our GDP and tax dollars. So, yeah, I, I hope that answered that question. I didn't even know that the
5: DOJ was set up for that way. Ness, go ahead. Um, I have a question regarding case law. Uh, very often police enforce case law, uh, Terry versus Ohio being a famous instance of that. And judges are not part of the legislative branch. Now, police enforcing case law, do you see that as, as I do? I see it as a lack of um, what we we'll refer to as uh, checks and balances between the different branches of government. Uh, What is your opinion on that?
4: If we if we wanted to reform our government, what we would do is that the moment that case precedent was set, the legislature of that state, or that local municipality, or that federal federal district, would be required, within the ninety day period, to examine the case precedent and write appropriate law, not not try to create this situation where case precedent is de facto law. That is unconstitutional, but it's been how things are being run. And in addition to that, and we've had Supreme Court justice say it, we have tribunal courts being run, a judge sitting by themselves in both civil and criminal cases presiding over the court without any jury and this is this is happening again and again and again um that needs to go away this is as much as the tsa searching everybody at the airport every day
3: that is unconstitutional as all get out you know um yeah i was going to make the argument that um that i think we've gotten to a point where market conditions
1: have created a population where they're willing to give up um certain civil liberties just for a sense of security. Was it Benjamin
3: Franklin who said something similar to that? Yes,
4: that you don't want to give up, uh, you know, a little security or a little freedom for security. Uh, That was, yeah, it was due to the, due to the um, conflict on the borders of
3: Pennsylvania. So,
4: yeah. uh, Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I I know we don't have a, enough time to go into the next subject because like, I wanted to touch up on Bill C sixteen um and how that's that's created a shitstorm up with our friends up in uh, Canada but um damn we're like fifteen minutes over um ten, I want to bring you back on if Jerry and Ness are, are open to it because man there's there's so many questions I've got in my mind and so many t- subject matters that I want to hit but really want to thank you thank you for coming up. Uh, on this podcast for episode thirty-four, and again, we're definitely going to have you back. Um, just want to wrap it up real quick. Want to thank everybody and uh, for hanging out with us, uh Jerry, Ness, den If you got any last words before we uh, close close it down.
3: Well, I oh, want to. Yeah. Whoa, yeah. Yeah. hey well, guys! guys.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I w- You'll have the last word, tinfoil. The la the very last word. Um, we only scratched the surface here. Like, I think we only talked about five to 10% of the stuff that we talked about behind the scenes. And we were general brushstrokes there when we were talking about it. So we didn't go into details then, like telling you, man, there's a lot of content and more content just keeps coming out. I mean, the things that we just talked about today are some current events that there's more information adding on to what we're talk that we're about to talk about. And there's a lot of things that people don't realize where the rights are being violated and they just, they look the other way. So this is, these are important conversations to have. Sorry, Ness. I didn't mean to talk over you, but go ahead. And then tinfoil, you can have the last word.
5: All right. Thanks. Yeah. Um, so I know the rest of the group definitely wants to tackle a national firearms act. Um, so I really hope you're willing to come back. You are such an intelligent, well-educated, uh, intellectually stimulating person to interact with. Um, so I, I just, Really hope you're willing to come back because uh, I had a lot of fun in the, you know, uh, call that we did leading up to the episode, and then just uh, picking your brain today. It was it was great. So thank you.
4: Oh, it's definitely been a pleasure, and, and I want to thank you all for having me on your podcast. And I definitely will be back, and and look forward to having some more, you know, uninterrupted podcasts. And uh, you know, that's uh, that's a good way to. To counter um, the forces that are are conspiring, and I just want to say, you know, God bless this nation, and God bless everybody who's listening to this pod- podcast. Uh, I wish you the best in these difficult times, and through prayer and discernment, we will make through that, make it through this. Have that vision, cast a positive vision, and pursue it every day. Thank you very much and with that thanks a lot everyone have a good weekend
0: motherfuckers, motherfuckers screaming out loud looking for mercy before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey what could be worse misrepresenting the first come first serve mentality stuck in the birds I'll be numbing up first before discovering what works and we'll see what other kinds of trash is under the dirt we rape the blood of the earth sit and wonder about the worth and play ring around the rosy while the thunder is served motherfuckers walking around here looking faceless trying to make a living southern friendship bracelets dead and dragging out the max amount of payments, read down days, got them acting all bankless, yo fam, what? Check these tokenotics, they probing this bear, flexing broken oh, eyes, oh. I had to lay my soul down, I'm just roasting others, and then to end a long day, 11 bowls of chronic, never known the politic, I was born to frolic, it's been my policy to pollinate all over the plot, we got a lot of apologists jumping in at the top, we like to measure their velocity before they hit rock bottom, over impossible loss, it's all moss, and I'm liking the odds, bond doing the morning. Toxic, just to get a better place. Smacking on the hostage, like the shit is play for keeps. Clowns, white knight, and all these Maybellines. They call it implausible. When model after model keeps on ripping off the coat and going full throttle, beats tearing apart your community. All these low hanging fruits bearing zero liquidity. Got a planet in reach, coming standard to each. I'm on the back ten, stargazing after the siege. Commanding all the management to grab a few seats, and then we'll round up the beasts and send a messenger east. Y'all better sign a release when I'm bumping these. i Spaces